Welcome to the after party, everyone. <laughs> good to uh, see you tonight. Yeah, so good. Jared, we have Maybe. some different angles. Do you, Wait, think, check this do you out. think the people will notice? Check this out. This is like super close-up shot. <laughs> Who is this on right now? This is Bobby right now, I think. Are, are, yeah. This is Jeremy. Here we go. So, we, yeah, we're, we're trying out some new lenses that we had around the office. So right. We'll give that a shot. Let us know what you think. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying. i got to see which camera goes to what. Okay, there we go. I mean, yeah, that especially if you're watching like on TV at your Yeah, house, and then all of a sudden you're, you're like, like, whoa, what is up? <laughs> Who's ready for after party? <laughs> so ridiculous. All That's right. Well, welcome, everyone. Again. Welcome tonight. Oh, Hope Andy you're doing it. well. Uh, Andy yeah. says it looks good. Excellent. Excellent. And Daryl's here tonight. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Michael, Ashley. That's um, this that's the regular is, crew. That's the gang's all Where's here. Our, um, <laughs> where's our oh, irregulars? Yeah. Right. Ashley says, I should have worn a gray sweater. <laughs> it's true. Um, Jared. I mean, I always wear a gray sweater. I know. So, it's true. I kind of match. I do feel or... like I'm going to overheat and be back to my basic Bobby black. So. Yeah. It's not as hot as it used to be. The, this room right. gets pretty hot, but yeah. uh, it is But now that it's off. not summer. Yes, yeah, it's not it's as bad. Like cold Although by the time all the lights you know, have a little chance it's to true. warm up, it gets yeah. hot in about half an hour. Yeah. So. That's true. Yeah. But by the way, you should always just wear a gray sweater. It's just a good... It's just a good rule. I don't know that you need to make those rules for people, but <laughs> but Jerry, you could tell us about. Good, this. I got a new I got a new hoodie also, this week. Everyone, Jerry sat through an entire meeting <laughs> today with the team, exactly like this. I like wearing a hoodie. <laughs> I know. It's nice. It's so comfortable. Like, what are I don't we need a here? I don't need a hat. I don't I feel need like a hairband. It's band. like Saturday morning, Jerry. Like you're like, like oh, let's watch great. cartoons. Let's just go to work and <laughs> wear a hoodie. I'm testing this out. I haven't. Just, I'm trying to find a new gray hoodie to standardize on. I've been working on this since covid basically it's been a it's we are we're all involved yeah we're so, all invested and i had the one i've worn it a few times it's an under armor one but it has a logo on it and i didn't know that when i bought it it has like this white logo on and the it chest. was sticky you couldn't even seam rip it out i didn't really love it so i'm trying a new one yeah this is an icebreaker okay yeah, nice. yeah 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 i so. i've um been able to hack the icebreaker sock situation winners has oh, carried yeah. them okay at a like way reduced price so I'm enjoying my icebreaker socks. This yeah, season. icebreaker stuff is really nice. It so. is great. So the, um, I may standardize on this. This is nice. To I go like with it. my gray shirts and gray sweaters. Okay, yeah. And be set for yeah, the next COVID five really years. Yeah, COVID really brought so. out this gray hoodie side of you. It did that you? I mean, I had some hoodies at home, yeah, but, but they weren't. Were. I don't know. I didn't feel like comfortable wearing them outside of the house. I mean, let's analyze this for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it about COVID that you were like, I need to cozy. I need what? cozy casual wear. No, I don't know. I was just like, it's like we're all in our homes and yeah. we're stuck around. And uh, then I felt, you know, I was like, I just, I didn't like not having a standard outfit. Yeah, that threw you. Yeah. So I was like, I need to, I need to find right. a new standard outfit. But like, so why, this might be it. Why we'll was see. the gray shirt? just not working for the moment you know like wearing a, like a button-up shirt around yeah. your house all the time right feels as awkward as wearing a hoodie used to feel outside of my house <laughs> it's true you know my worlds have though. collided <laughs> Do you remember that George Costanza episode of Seinfeld? No, Worlds collide. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I've maybe seen like a very small it's handful true. of Seinfeld. Yeah, you have life. not watched enough Seinfeld. No, I haven't. Curb your enthusiasm? Haven't. Man, you're missing out. True. 
It's true, you are. All right. Merch. Merch, Merch. gray hoodies for sale. We totally. I would, it's true. You love Commons branded I do. things. <laughs> We've never you had You made merch. us all wear oh, the yeah. face mask that I, I resisted make, a little bit. <laughs> well, they were here, uh, like in service for the first two or three weeks back in September. I made all the staff wear these Commons masks the first and said, week, Welcome I was like, back. I'm not doing this. But they were good. People liked them. People liked them. Plus, as far as masks went, they were pretty good masks. Yeah. They were comfortable. I got one. I still have one in my office. If everybody wants a mask that says welcome, welcome back, back. <laughs> and it has like the common C on your cheeks. I just want people to wear them to shoppers. You let me know because I have a few what? I have a few spares available for anyone who's interested. Uh, to what? All right. So okay. there we go. Fan, a fan of Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Both excellent Great. shows. So. Yeah, I haven't seen much of either. Definitely. Right. So, uh, okay, well, here we are. Where are we starting, Bobby? Let's start week? with, yeah, how was my week? Fine. I mean, here we are. It's Tuesday. Oh. Uh, we had a, a fun Sunday. We yeah. had like one of our, <laughs> I mean, it's just so goofy. It was like, wow, a bunch of people were here. We still just had one service. It was a, it was a busy service. <laughs> was so busy. we have the wait list every week. Yeah. And there is a little bit of extra room. I just like threw up our like computer screen on there for a second, I think. But I think it'll be fine. Uh, so we threw up, we, we had the wait list. <laughs> <You did. laughs> Got to pay more attention to what buttons I'm pushing there. People are like, what is going on? It's like, uh, what do you call it? I don't know, whatever. It's like behind the curtain. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Breaking wall. the fourth wall. <laughs> anyway, it was a busy Sunday. That, it was, that a busy, was the point. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was fun. Yeah, but it still wasn't four. No, no. <laughs> We're, I mean, we are we are looking at potentially adding a second service because the wait list is filling yeah. up every week right yeah. now, and so trying to figure out how do we. Um, well, how do we make sure that if people want to come to church, they're able to? Yeah. It, with all of the protocols and with all of the safety exactly. and everything we can. So we're looking at options. Right now, though, I think one of the interesting things is everybody's rhythms are so thrown off. It used to be uh, pre-COVID, BCE, pre-COVID event. <laughs> there. <laughs> that, that was a big eye roll. Yeah, if the camera wasn't uh, really uh, close on me, that was a big eye roll. If only I was ready for it, I could have put like super tight shot on Bobby's eyes. Oh, man, that was a wasted opportunity. What a miss. Okay. Um, but it used to be a pre-COVID event. It was like 10.30 was the really big one. 9 a.m. Yeah. was the next biggest one. Lots of young families. And then noon and then 7 p.m. were in there. But people's rhythms are, are so different and so yeah. changed that we're trying to figure out what that yeah. looks like. So whether we um, try the 9 a.m. again, whether we try at 12 p.m., right. um, whether we look at a 7 p.m. down the road again. Right. I mean, at some point, all these services are coming back. At some point, Inglewood's coming back. Oh, well, come on. Oh, well. Well, it's all coming back. <laughs> I know, sometimes you it's forget, coming back right? someday. I know. Sometimes I'm a little <laughs> I know, pessimistic. Bobby's like, oh, I'm like, some days I'm just like, just shut it down. Like, the church is over. It's like, never no, coming okay, back. Okay, now, okay. I'm gonna um, go get a job at Safeway. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's done. <laughs> like we're still here. It's true. Uh, but I do. I it, this weekend had me thinking about like the ways that our rhythms have changed, but the ways that like some of our larger habits are still with us. Because I often forget that Calgary is this place where like when it's cold out, people are like, of course I'm going to right. church. Totally. Like I'm not going to do anything else. I'm going to leave my house for something this yep. weekend. And for some reason, I, having not been from here for that long, that moment where I'm like, oh, it's cold out. No one's going to come to church. <laughs> Those are the Sundays that have yep. always been like quite <laughs> populated. Yeah. And I I mean, but it's interesting to think about what habits are still right. with us and which ones kind of overtake yeah. the ones that we're, I don't know. And what's going to happen this with. year where even more than normal, once the sort of um, weather hits in, yeah. um, 
we're going to be a little even that much more isolated like there's less things to do um now i don't i certainly don't want i mean you know COVID infection rates are as high as they've ever been in the province. We're all the way back to the peak that we were in the spring. So I want to be really cautious and really careful about that. But at the same time, recognizing that during the winter, where people have less social connection, less opportunities yeah. to go out, uh, does church become more important or does it become less important? I mean, yeah. not that it becomes less important, but is it more important Just, to provide a safe environment where people can come yeah. distanced? Right. Right. Because who has a, who has a, a room as large as a church yeah. to go and at least be near people and have conversations even if yeah. you're distanced from them. Yeah. So I don't know how all that works, yeah. but I'm conscious of us trying to figure out how do we serve the community well during right. this period. Yeah. And if that if serving the community well means going back online only for a season, we'll do that too. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's, uh, we've talked about that here, but also as a team, yeah. the need to be like so flexible and mm-hmm. adaptable, which makes me so glad that we like stepped into having in person right. when we could. So we're ready to like adapt, adapt. I mean, yeah. we've done that with our service times. We're considering doing that again. I mean, that seems like a good kind of life lesson too. Like and Totally. And you were one of the champions of that early is yeah. just saying like, listen, let's start figuring things out because... Mm-hmm. We're going to need to continually be adapting to things over the next, I think at the time we were saying over the next three to six months. (laughs) Now it's like maybe the next three to six years. I don't know. No, come on. Come on. Just kidding. Close it down. Close it down. (laughs) (laughs) But still being flexible and adapting. Basically right now we're working on like a two-week schedule for everything, I think. Yeah. Well, in some ways, but I also worked on Christmas Eve liturgies today. And I don't think I've ever done that that early before Mm. because we have all these timelines we're working on, which is we're not just working to the date so that I get up and give a Christmas Eve homily. It's that I'm like recording a Christmas Eve homily two weeks before Christmas. (laughs) So that means our liturgy and like the extra things we're doing with Christmas this year. And tease, we're doing a little mail out for Christmas Eve. The people love the mail. So yeah, so (laughs) we've all realized we all love mail now. So, but I mean, that takes prep because you gotta get things ready. We wanna send them out at the start of Advent. So you're right, we are. So we're working, I've been thinking a lot about times and timelines, like having multiple timelines in your head and being like really present to a moment as well um, is, yeah, it's just quite an interesting, again, a new habit that we're not just thinking about Sunday. We're thinking about this Sunday and the next one, especially, Mm -hmm. but we're also thinking, oh, we have some extra things we want to do for a big moment in our church year. So we're (laughs) we're tracking with these timelines and And I just keep thinking about tracks. Yeah. I mean, I think if anything, the the planning ahead part is the part we're most familiar with, right? Like not many churches plan their whole year the way that we do. So that's probably the part that's like a little more ingrained in us. But having to continue that, because we still wanted to have all that plan, we still wanted to have the journal, but then have also this track where it's like, okay, here's what's happening this week. We're not quite sure what's happening in two weeks. That's right. been an interesting balance. Yeah, I think, and I, I'm, I'm sort of wondering, like, what is that like in everyday life? Where, How are we doing something similar? Besides, mm-hmm. Like, this is how we are in our work life mm-hmm. or in our community rhythms. Mm-hmm. But uh, what is that, you know, are we all sort are, are of Are other like, people feeling that, yeah, like, exactly. that are watching right yeah, now? Are, are you exactly, feeling that kind of... Do you of... sort of feel like, like, this is a little tentative, but I know I can work on this next thing, mm-hmm. or I'm adapting this other thing that's coming down the road, or even just like... It's been interesting even just being back at church talking with people when they come in, talking about like, so how are you back at work? What does that look like? Are you working from home? Are you in the office? And, you know, all kinds of different things. Different companies are all at different places and depending on what people's role are. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, timelines and 
multiple timelines in our heads in different Indeed, ways. Yes. Indeed. So <laughs> I'm just right. noticing here that Daryl says icebreaker rocks. It does rock, so yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. If I, if I standardize on icebreaker, that'll mean <laughs> I'll buy a couple more of these hoodies and that'll be it. And that'll be my gray shirts. Great. And my gray I'm really hoodies, excited, so. Jared. I'm really happy you're for happy, you. You're really happy for I'm me. really happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> also, I mean, I'm for like hearing about these things. I like it. Yeah. I feel like I, I was really excited about my other new purchase this week. Which one was it? My heavy bag that I bought oh, from yeah, my garage. I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, where do we even begin with that? I just, yeah, I'm just like trying to figure out what to do with this oh, winter and stuff. So I bought a heavy I'm bag to hang in this. my garage. Yes. So I, I got out the lag bolts and I hung. The anchor for it today comes it, next week. Oh, it comes next week. And I'm just going to yeah. punch a thing in my garage every I'm, once in a while. I am for this. Yeah. I mean, I think we've talked about the fact that I've been on and on about Jeremy Duncan building a pizza oven in his True. backyard this summer. I was like, dude, you need a hobby. Like, things have changed. Wow. Like, I just, I know. I'm be out in my garage <laughs> with the hoodie on. What if you get really, like, just ripped? <laughs> People haven't been in church for a while. They're like, who's that guy? <laughs> that's Jeremy Duncan. Uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, Anyways, I think that's great. Anything that like fosters some sort of like habit and outlet for you is good. I'm for that. I, I like uh, I like habits. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm ha- I'm happy to try out new habits. Yeah. I'm happy to try new things. Yeah. Do you kind of get if like, I like them? I want them. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You'll be like on this for a while, and then you'll be on to the next thing. Yeah. I mean, some things stick, but yeah. yeah I mean, I, that's what, generally what I do. Yeah. So we'll is see. that an eight thing? Just a chair. I don't know. I, yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever read anything on Enneagram no. in terms of that type of personality. No, I do have some of those kinds of personalities in my life, though. Yeah, I mean, like, eights, really you know, good. tend to, if we're talking about the Enneagram, if people aren't familiar yeah. with it, but um, eights tend to be, um, yeah, sort of like aggressively passionate yeah. about certain things, usually yeah. about causes, but I could see that carrying over. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. Huh. Something there. Yeah. I, okay. My... I have a friend that used to call me, or still calls me. I don't know if he does anymore. If you're watching, you can Are tell you? me. Um, but, uh, what is he? Okay, period. A chronic connoisseur. Oh, yeah. Because, like, when I decide I'm into something, yeah. then I'm, like, I'm into it. And right. I want to learn everything about it. You're one of those that, like, this is the best. Like, this is the best, Tony. This is the best. Yeah, like, I, if I'm going to get into yeah. things, like, I'm not going to, you know. Like, right. if I'm going to get into cocktails, I'm not going to make, like, yeah. junky old fashions in my kitchen and <laughs> mason jar like i'm, I'm gonna find out how you do oh, yeah, this exactly. and how you make this properly right, so right. you know that that part of I me mean, i definitely get that sort of chronic connoisseur thing. yeah so all right okay okay so uh let's talk about sunday mm-hmm. uh the sermon you were dealing with which question was this number six this was six, six right yeah. Right. Yeah, right, we have two more after this. There's right. eight in the series. Uh, speaking of timelines, I got all mixed up on timelines. I thought I was writing for in two weeks, but I'm writing for in three weeks. Anyways, you are. I, I sort of confused myself. I thought I was preaching on the first, but it's the eighth, and that would mean oh, I have okay. to have it ready. And but you're yeah, yeah. first week of the next series. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Um, okay. But but I just the, the multiple timeline it's, thing. It's a lot. I really was like, Kate, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to start right, and then I realized, oh, I'm a. But week. You can do it anyway. I can do it anyway, but yeah. will I? I know. It's a tough thing. It's hard to write without a deadline. I know. It's a really difficult thing. Yeah, even the Advent stuff I worked on today, we had an Advent meeting at like 11.15, and I was like, okay, (laughs) I'm going to get this done. It was great. Mm. Uh, But so six question, uh, which was? So it was sort of two, Yeah. but they come together. It's the what, what, 
what is in the law or what is in the scriptures? Yes. How do you read them? Right. Sort of this this you know two part right. question that Jesus asks. Right. Which, in our little outline, our teaching outline, yeah. the question was like, what does scripture say? Right. Um, but then you broke it into yeah. the nar- the narrative that we had. I mean, no one yeah. would. Which that. leads to the Good Samaritan. Yeah. Which leads to another really great question, which is you know Jesus ends that story by saying, and which of these was a neighbor to the man who yeah. had fallen into the hands of robbers? Right. There are so which, many questions. Yeah, and so I thought. Uh, Part of what I liked about this as an angle was the, I think if you were going to say, what's the question from the Good Samaritan story, you would jump to, and which of these was a neighbor. Right. So I liked the sort of angle or the challenge of like trying to frame it through the lens of the question that leads into the story, not the question that sort of answers the story at the end. So I thought that was kind of fun for me anyway. Yeah, my sensation I had listening to this one was, I mean, I think sometimes this happens anyways, but this sort of like, whoa, like yeah. this kind of loop-de-loop <laughs> that you, so I, I can see that you were like, I'm at this question, oh, I'm at yeah. this question. Yeah. Like, no, we're at this question and you're kind of picking up your argument like all the way yeah. along. Um, yeah, and then I, I like, when I actually got to the Good Samaritan, like I breezed through that part yeah, pretty quick. I spent most yeah. of the bulk talking about the sort of lead up question, right. what's going on with this lawyer and Jesus, yeah. and then sort of brushed through the end of it. Yeah. And, and partly because, um, Probably all of us have taught Good Samaritan at some point in our yeah, career. Yeah, yeah. But I taught Good Samaritan maybe two years ago. Okay. I don't know how you I think remember two. that stuff. Yeah. You could ask me like in three weeks, what'd you talk about? <laughs> and I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> it was fun though. Yeah. So, I mean, so it was like part of it was for me was like, uh, so how, what's what's a new angle on this that I can right. come at it with? Because that's I think that's something that we always try to do at Commons. Uh, yeah, let's, so. let's talk about that a yeah. little bit more. Right, like, let's... why is that important to you? Uh, in the sort of formation of commons. And is there a limit to hmm. the new angle I mean, uh, approach? I mean, I think, certainly I think if you are reaching for a new angle to the detriment of the text right. or to the detriment of, you know, being intellectually honest with what's there, then I okay. think, you know, you've, you've sort of, you've gone too far, you've yeah. reached too far. That said, I do think, particularly when it comes to Jesus, although, I mean, I would say this a lot a lot with Old Testament as well, right. is there's so many layers buried in these yeah. things yeah. Uh, that, you know, could you come back endlessly? Okay, that might be a stretch, but right. you can certainly come back over and over again and, and find some new things in it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't think... Yeah, I don't know what the end is, but I think certainly mm-hmm. you, you can keep coming back. Yeah. What was important to me with commons, yeah. you know, because uh, when we set out that what we have is our commons teaching voice, those yeah. six things, which don't ask me to quote off the top of my head. I can't <laughs> remember them. I have to find my notes. Um, but it was about saying, like, for me, when I preach, um, and I think for you, for any of us, I want people to not go away with the, like, Oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that's the worst. Like, you want to cut that off as soon as yeah. you can. Like, we're not doing that, that thing that you're expecting. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and the worst is, you know, you comp- you get up on a cold morning and you bundle yourself up and you go to church <laughs> and then all of a sudden this person just gives you, you know, this story that you've already heard a million right. times before. Like, I mean, right. that's not, that's not interesting. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's also not honoring for the fact that people have gone through all this stuff. Like, right. like I want to put a lot of work in. I want to come. I want to research. I want to find a new angle every time i also think you know and again there's a limit to this but we are in an age where 
when I do a sermon, it's not gone. Like everything I everything I say is on the internet. Right. You know, every time we preach, it's recorded with multiple angles and it's trolled. podcasted, and it's whatever. <laughs> um, so what I don't expect is, look, if you come to Commons, and I've talked about this before, you don't know my thoughts on it. You don't know the angle we talk about. Like I'm assuming you're going to go back at some point and listen to those things. Mm -hmm. In the sermon on Sunday, I actually put a link to the last time I talked about this story because I'm like, Harry, you know, this is a, you know, if you want more detail on the specifics of the actual parable, right. go listen to my sermon from two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think we exist in this new world where mm -hmm. um, it's not just people sort of memory in their mind. Mm -hmm. It's this back catalog of content that we've created as a church mm -hmm. um, that you're you're interacting with. Right. And I kind of like that. Like I like I like in a sermon being able to say, hey, we talked about this a year ago. Check it out if you're interested right. here. Like I, I think that's kind of fun. <clears throat> but it does mean when you come back to something, yeah. you gotta be like, okay, well wh what do I have angle? new to say about it? Right, right, you know? right. Or to be honest, you could probably get up there and you could say, you know what, I got nothing new to say about this. We've come at this before, right? But but it's important to rehearse again. I mean, right. I think you, you haven't could done do that, that yet. Too. I haven't done it yet, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for it. Yeah, I think you probably could. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> Heard when, it. when Bobby yells that out from the crowd, <laughs> or when I get hit with a tomato in the side of the face, I'm like, that was clearly you. That's what that's what we all know now. <laughs> I think I've been joking about yelling "boring" from the back for like three years. <laughs> I'm was, bored. I have no idea where it came from, but that was like a, I just wanted to be like, I'm bored. What did we, in staff, weren't we talking about somebody like telling, stealing somebody's idea or something like that? Maybe. I can't remember. <laughs> oh, I can't remember what we were talking about. I might remember, but I might not want to say. Oh, oh now I do. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, so back to the sermon. Yes. Um, well, I am starting to get warm. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, some of the ideas mm -hmm. of the message were um, everyone reads the same thing, but we have such different interpretations. Um, I, mean, I mean, we could talk about this for a long, long time, but I wondered if you could like tease that threads out of that a little bit more. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. Let's talk about that and then we'll yeah. come back because Peter's asking, have any of your views changed since the start of Commons, which Ooh, I think is one of the things we want to like talk about question. today. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, because that was sort of one of the central ideas in the sermon was um, that Jesus asks this question, um, what's in the scriptures? How do you read that? And what he's implying there is that we all read the scriptures, mm -hmm. but we're going to interpret them in different ways. We're going to come away with different things from it. If not, he would have just said, well, what's in the scripture? And then it's over. And it's like, I don't need to teach anymore. It's written down. We all understand it. Let's move forward. But... And, and I think sometimes we have that kind of approach, right? Like, like things are settled. It's in the Bible. The Bible yes. said it, I believe yeah. it, that settles it, that kind of a thing. Right. And, and yet that's the, sort of the opposite approach to what Jesus takes in this story. He's like, right. what's in there? Like, let's start with something right. that we all agree on. Yeah. But then let's talk about our subjective experience of right. it. Right. How do you read it? How do you make sense of it? What do you interpret it? Yeah. And I think that is really fascinating that Jesus is basically assuming from the start mm -hmm. that different people are going to read the same things and come away with different conclusions. Mm -hmm. um, and we're afraid of that sometimes. And yeah. Jesus seems to like really like comfortably wade into it. Right. I also think I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but the use of storytelling right. to bridge that interpretation with yeah. this 
actual living word Mm. and it's like let me tell you a story it's not like let me give you the three-point lecture or the three points of my case Mm -hmm. against what you are putting up against me it's like it's picture this yeah you know there once was a man exactly because if jesus does that if he says well no this is what it means um then he it's it's like he shuts down yeah, that exactly. whole thing he's trying to invite out of this man exactly right so his his storytelling approach is not only the acknowledgement that we're going to read it differently but mm-hmm. then he starts to try to draw it out of mm-hmm. him you know like um, in what a more do you really emotional think of? Way. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. which i think is a really Intuitive. interesting thing totally. which you know we talked about we we talked about preaching maybe last week or a couple yeah, weeks ago last week and we talked about some of those same types of things like I don't want to preach in a way that shuts down yes. what's happening in Reductive. you as a listener. Yeah. I want to preach in a way that draws out of you the interpretive work that's happening within you as a listener yeah. and as a reader and as someone interacting with the text. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's the art of preaching. Yeah. When your preaching actually draws out the creative work of your listener mm-hmm. rather than squashes down the creative yeah. work of your listener and sort yeah. of hands them something. Like it's the opposite of insecure. Like there's something sort of so trusting and secure mm-hmm. in that kind of preaching. But back to Peter's question, yes. um, which was, have any of your views changed since the start of Commons? Mm-hmm. Did you answer that? No. Oh. <laughs> Did you want to? I thought you Well, I mean, I, we yeah. were going <laughs> to... Okay. Where are we going? What's happening? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where we want to go with it. But... Okay, okay. The answer is yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, great. But I think, um, I think this is a, it's a really, uh, well, it's a really important question, but it's yeah. a really insightful question in the light of this particular parable yeah. from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because um, I think probably you and I both at some point in our careers and our lives have read a scripture in a certain way. And over time, the way that we read it changed. Oh, yeah, all the time. Because Jesus came to us again and, yeah. and said, hey, well, how do you read it? Or I, or I had... met Jesus in, a, in, a, in an encounter with another person, which mm. made me change how I thought about the text. Right. Um, like in a story. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's really true. Yeah, so, I mean, specifically open. after the sermon, somebody asked me the same question. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of different examples, but the one, you know, that came to mind particularly was LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, well, I mean, it might be, I mean, exactly when did my views change on that? How was that before Commons or after Commons started? All that kind of stuff, who knows? But um, certainly my views on how we needed to play that out within the context okay. of our denomination, that has shifted over time. Okay. Um, but there was a point in my um, journey as as a believer and as a Christian where I don't think I've ever had sort of, I don't think I've ever held much in a sort of militant way. This is not my personality in some ways. Oh, I don't know. Sometimes it is yeah, actually. Yeah, it but. is. <laughs> but not a, a yeah. firm way. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, like but a- I would say earlier when, when I first came to Christ in my 20s, um, you know, I would have wanted to be generous and I wouldn't have wanted to be kind, but I would have said, oh, but like the scriptures are pretty clear on homosexuality. And, you know, I had heard those, you know, a couple verses in Leviticus and a verse in Romans. And you're like, okay, well, that's what it is. Um, but over time, you learn how to, um, 
interface those scriptures with other scriptures. You have a better grasp of the larger story of what's going on in the text. You have a better sense of who Jesus actually is, not just as a, um, uh, a set of words on a page, but as a, as a living person that you're interacting with and is shaping you. And then that made me go back and rethink some of these things and move towards an affirming posture. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those things, you know, these are ways that you change and you you shift your views over time. Yeah. And, and that's really beautiful. And I think that's actually part of that healthy allowing Jesus to keep coming back to you and saying, how do you read it? Mm-hmm. Now, I think what that has given me, hopefully, is a willingness to hold my convictions with an open hand, mm-hmm. even even my new convictions on well, you know, affirming LGBTQ really people, yeah. right? Like I've changed my views. Could I change them again? I mean, you know, I, I don't want this. I, I want to say openly, yeah. I mean, everything can change. Yeah. Everything's open. I, I hold them with conviction, but I hold them open-handed. I think that's, because I want the spirit mm-hmm. of God to continue mm-hmm. working with me and guiding me and yeah. changing me. Yeah, I think that's really interesting that you think, like, just because I deconstructed it and put something back together, that that's done then. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, no, that is ongoing in an interesting way. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you really want to embrace that deconstruct, reconstruct, you realize you're always going to be doing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, and, and then they start kind of coexisting. Yeah. I've sort of, like, have mm-hmm. rested and trusted, but I'm also, like, shifting subtly yep. or, or I, I keep thinking about the word, like, breadth and depth. Mm-hmm. Like, I just kind of keep adding or, um, yeah, just, like, more expansion, mm-hmm. more depth um, to, I guess, like, some of the corners of mm-hmm. some And of I think, ideas. you know, back to that idea of our – you know, our content being sort of online all the time. Right. You know, I think I always want to, I'm always aware of that in a healthy way to say, how do I speak with conviction, but also with a gentleness and a humility, yeah. knowing that the, the, the journey that I've been on over the last 10 years to bring me here to this moment is not done. Yeah. So 10 years from now, I'm 42, when I'm 50 and I look back, Will I, will I have changed yeah. undoubtedly? The question then is whether I will look back and see all the difference yeah. and be proud of the way that I journeyed through that and I honored that and I continue to evolve. Or will I look back with shame and be like, oh, <laughs> like I was close-minded or I right. held it in a wrong way or I did it right. in a way that hurt people. Yeah. I know I'm going to change. I know my views are going to be different in a decade from yeah. now. So... That's not really up for grabs. Yeah. The question is just how am I going to look back in 10 years? So now when I speak, I want to speak with clarity. I want to speak with conviction. I don't want to hide anything. I don't want to, I don't want to soften things, but I always want to speak with humility and an open handedness to say, okay, this is where I'm at right now. This is my best understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus is calling me to. Yeah. And I know some of it is good and true and, you know, like a diamond will still be there. And I know some of it, like chaff, will blow away. Yeah. But I'm doing my best to hold on to that. It's interesting to think about that in terms of relationship with like pastoral authority or, mm-hmm. you know, occupying pulpit space. Right. And I think, uh, you know, that people would look to you for like, give me the answer to the mm-hmm. thing. Like, tell me what to think about right. this. Is the expectation that like, as you change, I might change mm-hmm. too, picturing myself in the pew yep. rather than maybe alongside of you in that role. But um, what, what, how does that inform like your mm-hmm. authoritative voice knowing it's a shifting voice as I well? I think 
And I think you, this is as much about you yeah. and Scott and our entire teaching team. But I think part of what we've tried to cultivate at Commons is a shift in terms of how um, people think about the role yeah. of a pastor um, to move towards exactly that, that we're here right. to open the questions and to begin those dialogues mm -hmm. and to bring our expertise to bear. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think Spend all of us... a lot of money on that Yeah, but, uh, but all of us take very seriously the, <laughs> totally. the work that we've done. Yeah. So I, I actually don't think that, you know, being a pastor, anybody can just get up and do that. I think, I think it does take work and it does take study, but I think the authority question yeah. when it comes into preaching is born out in the relational equity that yeah. we earn in the in the um, the ways that we show people we are learning with you yes. we are willing to journey with you and integrating this stuff exactly yeah, yeah. and i think that sometimes when people come from uh, outside the community or they come from a different uh, church tradition yeah. i think it is hard sometimes to listen to us teach Yes. You know? Oh, yeah. People struggle with that because yeah. they're unsure about, um, well, how do I relate to this kind of preaching that is open-handed, yeah. that's more, um, you know, we would experience it as humble. Um, I think some people would experience it as like wishy-washy. Oh, interesting, you know? yeah. Like when I will say things like, you know, um, here's, a, here's a text and here's some of the different ways it's been interpreted. Yeah. And here's where I, you know, lean on this thing. I think some people would be like, you know, that they would, t they would hear that as non-committal. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Whereas I would hear that, you know, as me saying, here within the larger breadth of Christianity is the scope. Here's my conviction where I lie. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very clear with my conviction. I'm yeah. very comfortable talking about where I lie within that. Um, but I'm also very open about, you know, the larger picture. Yeah. And I think sometimes it takes people time. Yeah, you're not used to yeah. that way of especially that, like, form of rhetoric sounding like right. that. Yeah. Like people joke. Um, you know, uh, you know, probably about all of us, but I know people joke about my preaching when they're like, how many what times does Jeremy say perhaps or maybe <laughs> or think of it this way? Right. You know, like all of my little, right. um, uh, you know, I have these, I, well, we all have verbal quirks, yeah. but I have a whole bunch that are like, um, you know, tr they're, they're moving towards what I'm thinking, but they're softening. They're trying to present yeah. it with a little humility. Right. Um, you know, one way to think about this one, is yeah. this, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. So people yeah. joke about those things all the time. <laughs> one way but, to think about it. Yeah, exactly. You saved me with one way to think about it a couple <laughs> times. <laughs> um, okay. So where do we want to go with that? Uh, I, I mean, I like what Ashley's uh, saying here, that you don't know what you don't know. That's the, the Rumsfeld yeah, he used to talk about that when he was Secretary of Defense. The um, you have you have known unknowns, yeah. which are things you know you don't know, yeah. And then you have unknown unknowns, which are the things you don't know that you don't know, yeah. And those are our real blind spots, right? Um, known unknowns are actually really good and really healthy. And the more we can say, oh, I don't know about that. First of all, you can you can be honest and you mm -hmm. can present it with humility. But second of all, you can also say, okay, now I can go learn about that thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the unknown unknowns where, you know, I haven't read a different interpretation or I haven't read a different perspective or all, you know, to our conversation last week, all I've ever read are European men's, mm -hmm. you know, commentaries on this. Right. Then I don't even know what a black woman scholar has brought to the table on these yeah. things. Um, it's, it's fine when you research them and you're like, hey, I don't, I don't think that resonates with my world or whatever. Or, you know, I choose this, I choose that. But we all have all of these unknown unknowns yeah. that are out there. And the first step is to sort of name, 
your known unknowns. Yeah. Where do I need to do more work? And then once you get those, you, you start pushing back the boundaries a little bit, realizing, okay, I've, I've got a lot more work to do. Yeah. Which, I, you know, I mean, that's scholarship. That's the fun yeah, part. Yeah, every, yeah. Everything you study, every yeah. question you begin to answer opens up 20 Wait, more right. questions yeah. to dive into, yeah. which is, I mean, that's, that's the beauty that of what we get to do for a living. So. Yeah. That is the beauty of it. Yeah. So what else do you want to say about the exchange between the lawyer and Jesus from this like question and yeah. answer to, you know, let me tell you a story. Now you, now let's re revisit the question. So, I mean, this is one I talked about in the sermon, so it's not new, but I'd be interested, you know, even to hear your feedback on it is the one thing that I had, I mean, I'd noticed it. I just never talked about it before is the, Jesus has two questions. Mm -hmm. What are in the scriptures? How do you read them? Right. And the man comes back with, you know, the quoting Jesus bit, right. um, which may or may not be a quote of Jesus. It's possible he's come up with that on his own. Yeah. Um, likely within the sort of synoptic tradition, though, it's meant to be a recitation of, of Jesus' greatest commandment. Okay. Regardless, that's another thing. But, the <laughs> but what I found really interesting this week was to say, Jesus has two questions. What's in the scriptures? What's the objective, you know, text there. How do you read them? What's your interpretation of it? Mm -hmm. And the man comes back with a quote from Deuteronomy and a quote from Leviticus. Mm -hmm. And he offers that to Jesus. And I think one way you could look at that is he only answers the first question. Mm. What's written in the law? I took the position in the sermon that no, he's actually doing both. Mm -hmm. Because when he quotes two scriptures uh, and oh, the pairs them together, that right. that is interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, it's interpretive work anytime we read scripture, mm -hmm. anytime we quote scripture, particularly anytime we juxtapose two scriptures mm. together, that that is an interpretive yes. work. Okay. And I, <laughs> wow, he just <laughs> so drove us up to the edge and that's all. <laughs> I mean, um, just thoughts on that? What is that, you know, in, in terms of your reflection? This sort of interpretive choice. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really liked how that that question stood out um, in your message about like, what do you think? It just mm. felt so personal mm. uh, apart from, you know, this idea of like, I hadn't really given it too much thought yeah, yeah. since you reached it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, those are really interesting things. One of the things I always do in my study leading to writing is like a section of like biblical, like I have a little thing I'm always working okay. through, like find, yeah, where else is something like this in the text? So I right. think I'm always having, it's probably not often like in the message or in the thing that I wrote, but a, an opportunity to be like, okay, where else do we see this kind of idea? Yes. Where else, um, what does it look like in the hands of this part of the scripture or in the, in the hands of another? Um, so I think that's an interesting mm -hmm. thing. I mean, some of our language around here is that, what, what's your language like? The scriptures aren't flat. Right. They're, um, they're leading somewhere. Yeah, they're, they're going leading somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I was, yeah. I'm just, I was, this week I was intrigued. I continue to be intrigued by this right. idea that um, anytime we quote two scriptures, yeah. we're interpreting them. Right. Like when, when the man says, love the Lord your God with all yourself, love your neighbors yourself. Right. That's an interpretation of what it means to love God. Right. And I think sometimes we have this idea that if I just quote scripture, yes, okay, then yeah, I'm not yeah. bringing myself to it. Yeah. Right? Like, 
like if I just if I just read a scripture to you or a yeah. couple scriptures to you, then I'm somehow objective. Right. And I'm like, no, yeah. it's a very subjective thing to right. say love God, love neighbor. Right. Because you're saying loving God without loving neighbor is not loving God. Right. Even though you haven't contributed a word. Right, right, right. Just by those two quotations. That's your cho- you chose those. Yeah, those you've chosen them. Yeah. And so you bring them to bear. Right. And not only that, but every time we come into any conversation with somebody, um, and they ask us a question and we quote a scripture back to them. That's an interpretive work. Yeah. You know, when, you know, like for our example earlier, when somebody asks you, you know, about what's your position on LGBTQ? Yeah. If you choose to quote Leviticus 18, that's a choice. If you choose to quote Galatians 3, where Paul says there's neither Jew nor Greek nor male nor female, we are all one in Christ. That's an interpretive choice. Right. You're making choices. Yeah. Anything you pull out of this text and you lay on the table. So how do you how do you put this way of using scripture or or, or choosing to like employ scripture mm-hmm. uh, more personally and and with interpretation alongside this like well, I think people in our community would be familiar with proof texting mm-hmm. that just like the verse gives you the answer to the question, right. full stop. Uh, how do you put those things alongside of each other? Yeah, I mean, to me, the, yeah. the question is always comes back to, do we understand the larger scope of the yeah, scriptures? Right. Like, like you said, we always say the scriptures aren't flat. They're going somewhere. So to interpret any scripture means understanding where it fits in the larger unfolding of the mm-hmm. tale. Mm-hmm. Um, if you... You know, I use this example, but if you read Harry Potter Mm -hmm. and you quote a line from the first book in Harry Potter and then you you go to the end of Harry Potter and you're like, well, no, Snape is a bad guy or whatever because of this thing that happened seven books ago. Um, I mean, you're right. You haven't misquoted the text, right? But you haven't understood the story. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing with the scripture. It's all authoritative. It's all inspired. Yeah. But it's in, it's authoritative in the sense that it's unfolding a story of who God is for right, us. Right, right. And so if we miss the picture, if we miss the bigger story, if we miss the narrative arc, yeah. Then we're going to miss the meaning of the individual words and verses along the way. Right. And and one of the ways I talk about this is to say. All scripture is inspired. All scripture is, you know, um, authoritative, whatever. But scripture is authoritative and inspired in the in the narrative of the canon. Mm. Not one word out of scripture is not inspired. Like we all know that, right? Mm. Like pick a random word in right. the Bible. It's not inspired because it doesn't mean anything. Right. Right? But neither is a sentence, neither is a verse, neither is a chapter, neither is a book. Right. Like it's only in the relationship between the whole thing as it unfolds that it all becomes inspired. Right, right, right. You know, like the first line of Genesis right. needs the first line of John yeah. that adds new meaning to the first line of Genesis. In the beginning, God created right. the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, you know, the word right. became flesh. Like those two things need each other to bring full meaning right. to each other. It's interesting. One of the uh, themes I was really drawn to for preparing the Eucharist invitation was this word fragment, which I had been reading um, Willie Jennings book called After Whiteness. And he uses this language of fragment that we like our faith is like made of all of these fragments. But then I wanted to put it Mm-hmm. Uh, put that word and that theme at the table where and I my language was like where it meets eternal presence but mm-hmm. it's interesting to think about like sometimes it feels so fragmented you might I even said you might it's it's your faith might feel like uh, right. 
a, a favorite Bible verse. You know, I kind of tried to name these, like yeah, yeah. a tiny little bit of bread and a little bit of grape, you know, yeah. these like bits of fragments. But the point was like at this, in the sacrament, hmm. as the Spirit meets us in our fragments, um, something more whole and mm-hmm. eternal is present for us. And like, it's a mystery. But there's, I'm sort of drawn to like a spiritual invitation to, to, um, like to welcome and notice the fragments too, yeah. you know, and and then to put them in their place or um, be curious about where they yeah. come from and, and what they're alongside. And understanding of. their relationships with yeah. each other, how it's all coming together. And I mean, you know, today we were talking about this. So I mean, we've used LGBTQ as an example, but there's there's women in ministry. Like yeah. like I can pull a verse out that talks about women Plenty. being silent, right. right? But but that is inspired. Mm-hmm in the larger context of its relationship to Paul also, you know, affirming Junia in Romans. Right. And also Paul saying, actually, you know, at his best moment, at his worst moments, Paul, like, leans into the cultural expectation. At his best moments, Paul's like, none of this matters. Male, yeah. female, slave, right, Jew, right, Greek. Right. He's like, none of it right. matters. Like, you can imagine Paul, like, yeah. in his moments. Where I'm working this out. Yeah. I'm working it out. Exactly. And you it can, is that what's inspired then. Yes, yes. The opportunity to sit at the feet of somebody working it out. Yeah, and to yeah. hear Paul saying, you know, hey, trying to make it make sense and trying to make it make sense in in the context of his world, but then in his best moments when he's overcome by the Spirit, yeah. just like throwing off the shackles yeah. and being like, none of it matters. Right. Christ is so amazing. Like, <laughs> like that's really beautiful. Right. And the inspiration of it all yeah. is is not in the one or the other. Yeah. Right? And that's what I'm saying. I'm not playing the Bible off each other. Yeah. Um, so, some people... People will accuse me of that, right? Like you're you're, you're playing this off each other. You're, you're ignoring the verses you don't like, and you're picking right. the ones you do. I'm saying no. I'm not picking and choosing. Yeah. I'm understanding them all in a larger narrative relationship yeah, to yeah, each yeah, other. Beautiful. And then I have to make the question. I have to ask the question: Is where does that narrative relationship now take me? Mm-hmm. Two thousand years in the future. Mm-hmm. So, Christ. And, and, and God, in, in the scope of, you know, thousands of years of collecting the scriptures together, right. gave me a story and gave me a narrative. Yeah. And now, empowered by the Spirit who is in and through all of us, mm-hmm. Spirit moves us forward in the future. And to be faithful doesn't mean to go back. Right. To be faithful means to go forward totally, in the story. Totally, totally, Yeah. And that's yeah. not about pitting scriptures against each other. Right. That's about understanding the narrative so well that you say, oh, this is how that, this is how Paul in this section fits with Paul in this section. Yeah. And this is how it's unfolding. And this is how the Old Testament is leading me towards Jesus. And this is how the Old Testament is leading from, you know, the, the language on our website we use somewhere is about um you know the the family the the person of abraham who's called by god who and then that story extends to his family who becomes a tribe who becomes a nation who then extends that story to the father the foreignless and the widow who just um, jesus emerges from and now invites the gentile into like right. the story yeah, just, is this continually expanding inclusive right. kingdom of god that never stops right i mean what was the language of where is it in the gospels where jesus says like you or who does he say to you will go on to do greater things yeah exactly like it just to me that's just like mm-hmm. oh that that is right and it keeps going yeah that and is expansion. the greater things just that we're gonna like we're gonna turn more water into wine right, like right. it would be cool right. but i mean but like, we're literally not doing that yeah, so what exactly. is so what are the greater things exactly and, and is that really yeah. what god is interested in yeah. is like these little 
tricks. Right. No, no I mean it's a just yeah. world. It's a it's exactly. It's about how we're going to shape Earth yeah. so that it is more like heaven, and yeah. we can be part of that story and shaping yeah. it. That's the greater things that yeah. we're invited into. Yeah. That's the greater things that that all of the story has been then leading to. Yeah. And now we get to live into. Right. So, so. we're almost at where we are at time, but yeah. <laughs> I wanted to end with this question. Uh, what, I mean, we were talking about how we read the text. What does it, you know, what do the scriptures say? Mm -hmm. uh, how do we read the text, kind of these texts from out, outside of our time and like in relationship with them now? But what do you love about scripture? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, I just wanted to like, yeah, that's the question I, <laughs> as I drove over my yeah. this is my five minute commute now. I mean, I, I, I really do love scripture. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, professionally, but also just sort of academically and interest-based. I love it. Um, I love, I think what I do love about it is, you know, if I had to give an answer apart from this conversation we yeah. just had, I probably would answer something very similar. Yeah. That scripture is this, um, scripture is this collection of the way that human beings have imagined the divine. Mm -hmm. And it's not the only ways. There's been countless ways, yeah. countless humans throughout history have, but these are the ways that have bubbled up to the surface that that cultures and societies have grabbed a hold of and said, no, this 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 version, this encounter with the divine is important, mm -hmm. and we're going to hold on to that. We're going to piece these all together. We're going to lay them out side by side, mm -hmm. and then slowly, what we get to do, what I get to do, is now sift through all these different experiences from all of these people through all of these different times, mm -hmm. and I get to piece together what are the threads that existed in ancient Samaria in these uh, pre-existing creation myths that the Hebrews took and, and shaped for their own purposes that still drove through the monarchy as the um, Israelite people became, you know, uh, went from being an underdog to being a superpower. Um, what's the thread that's still there as they lose their dominance and the prophets come to speak and speak about social change and justice and transformation? What's the thread that leads us to Jesus who becomes the fulfillment of, of the divine in human history that we actually get to see what what the divine looks like in human form. What are the threads that we get to trace all the way along there? And that's what I think is really fascinating. What I really love about the scriptures is they speak to not only God in this sort of didactic sense, but they speak to this human experience over thousands of years. And what that does at its best is it actually takes away the particulars of the culture and moment mm -hmm and speaks to something that's very deeply rooted in me as a human being, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because I get to see God in all these different cultures in all these different times and all these different expressions, it's almost like I get to sift through all of that mm -hmm. and then I get to sift through myself and I get, to, I get to wash away or try to wash away all of the cultural biases that have been put on me mm. the same way they're put on every period yeah, in the scriptures. Right, right, right. And if I can see the thread through it all, yeah. then I can actually get to a heart of who God is and what the divine looks like unencumbered by my own biases and, and my own inability, my own prejudice, all that kind of stuff. Right. Without that, if it's just me on my own, yeah. doing my best to commune with God and listen to spirit and all those things, like I'm, I'm going to be hopelessly lost right. <laughs> to my moment in time and space. Yeah. But this larger library, this larger story helps me see something bigger. Yeah. What would you say? What do you love about the scripture? I mean, I, I, as you're talking, I, I was 
I mean, like, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. I just stole your answer. No, 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 not at all. Like, you just took the whole, like, narrative story, which is great. Mine is much messier. (laughs) I like messy. (laughs) You know, I think that, uh, like, I think there, I have, like, a a complex relationship with the scriptures that if I were to uh, imagine the scriptures as a person, Hmm. you know, like, when I'm like, I've had enough of you Mm -hmm. and this presence kind of waits mm-hmm. waits it out <laughs> with me or returns something really important to me that that feels really essential mm-hmm. and so then i get up and like off we go again you know down the road together yeah. <laughs> and, and i continue like this relationship mm-hmm. with the text that sometimes has felt quite fraught but if i do the work mm-hmm. uh to find my way through whatever sort of question or dilemma i present mm-hmm. it with it always shows up. I don't know mm. what pronoun to use <laughs> except it or yeah, yeah. maybe she. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, yeah. So for me, there, yeah. There's, there's, there's something about. I, I don't know my life without the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And even when I think I've been like, that's it. I've had enough. I'm so. I'm just like so invested. Mm-hmm. And again, to do the work with the thing is to sort of be set in a place of wonder again. Like, oh, this text is. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 is it is something for me tied to a tradition that does make me a better person mm. a much better person than I, I hope yeah and i mean i i, I resonate with your saying yeah uh, at that level to to recognize that yeah i mean part of what's fascinating to me about the scriptures is all of these different mm-hmm. uh, people from different cultures at different points mm-hmm. in their social uh, power have found these stories um, freeing and life-giving. Totally. Yeah. Also, others have found them to be oppressive. And like, you know, the thing has been used to do great harm. Um, I I mean, I think, I mean, certainly there probably are some, um, but generally throughout history, I think what you would find, not always, is that even those groups that have been oppressed by people who have wielded the scripture against them, still have found that that freedom and that that beauty within the scriptures themselves and i, I mean um that's actually part of what i'm saying that i find so beautiful like you look at you look at like the african uh slave experience in america where the scriptures were wielded as a weapon against these communities and yet these communities right still found within the scriptures yeah. the thing that was being used against them right beauty to reinforce them well, and give them I life. I think that's what I was trying to say to you yeah. earlier today as well when we were chatting that, um, you know, we we're talking about um, why, why doesn't somebody sort of just walk away? Right. And like when the thing has been used against you, but you still love it, hmm. you say like, I'm not giving this over to you. Right. Like in a way, my enemy or, you know, like I'm, you don't get to have the tradition. Yeah. It's mine too. Right. I love it too. Yeah. Um, so, so that and sort think, of protest. Yeah. And the scriptures are really fascinating it. in that sense because you're, yeah. you're absolutely right. They have been misused in all kinds of ways and weaponized against people. And yet even those I mean, communities. they've been used against me. <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yet even those communities, women, yeah. um, you know, African-Americans in the States, yeah. um, all kinds of these cultures have still said, but the story here yeah. you don't get to has life for and that. beauty yeah. in that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you almost, um, you almost have to believe in something 
you know, divinely powerful about a story mm -hmm. that can be used against you. Mm -hmm. And that story itself, you can right. say, no, that story tells me that you're wrong and right. the story is true. Right. Like even when that and story that is being weaponized. And we're loved. And so oh, my that goodness. is like yeah. beyond what either of us could do with that story. Right. The story can do that alone. Yeah. And I, yeah. so I, I mean, I, I mean, again, I hold everything open-handed, but I, I mean, I think I've got, you know, hopefully another half a lifetime of mm -hmm. studying scriptures and being Especially fascinated by them. Especially if you're out there, you know, Working your, <laughs> get your heart rate up, you know. Get the heart rate Just, up. What do you kind of do? The heavy bag. The heavy bag, yeah. Especially when you're. Yeah, that's good. It's like an old timey that's leather bad. one. I'm gonna hang it in oh, my man, garage. I can't it's wait. Cool. It's gonna be fun. Oh man. I'll be out there with my gray hoodie yeah. on. Going ba down. Bateman will come over. Totally. Give it a, <laughs> a punch. I won't. <laughs> All right. All right. We're at eight fifty-seven. What else we got? Anything uh, else? What are you grateful say? for? Uh, I am grateful for. Um, new hobbies that I haven't even started yet <laughs> that I'm going to try out. But even just the so, anticipation yeah, of the thing totally. is like good for mental health, don't you think? To be I like, so. I can imagine myself doing this I'm thing. excited about something. This is great. I'm going to try this it. This is great. And also, you know what? Actually, my wife, yeah. when we were dating, so like, I mean, this <laughs> is a long time ago. <laughs> you guys. Holy cow. <laughs> we are coming up on our 20th anniversary. Your 20th wedding anniversary? Maybe 19? Wow. Maybe it's, Still, it's a lot, that's though. Basically, There's a lot that's of anniversaries, years, though. Yeah. But when we were dating, uh, Rachel did kickboxing. Yes! So <laughs> I told her, I'm like, hey, also. And like, I texted her, I'm like, also. And one message, and the next message, I'm like, I bought a heavy bag. And she's like, that's random. And I was like, yeah, you can get back into it. So she's like, okay. So she's going to. Oh, yeah, it's for both of you. It's going to be fun. I'm going to shed a tear. <laughs> <laughs> Probably one at a time, it. though. But that'll be good. I'm, oh, I'm I love that so that. much. All right, what are you grateful for? Well, actually, there's a connection because um, you're, this is hobby in your garage, and I am grateful for this story that I'm living out with my partner, that, which is we bought a house, which yes. we've always talked about on this <laughs> Which in we've this always talked about. <laughs> and so one of the things at the beginning of getting this house was like, or before we bought the house, was like, what what is really important to us in a house? We decided having a garage for Jonathan to make some things. He's really handy and wanted to build things, has tools, a place for tools. But then we started realizing, like, how is he going to build anything? We have no money to buy these tools to fill this tools garage. Tools are expensive. Like, right. Yeah, very expensive. So then what happened is, like, my mom says, I'd really like to get rid of some of your dad's tools out of my garage. So my dad and my mom come, and they bring a truckload of tools. And then, like, a week later, Jonathan's dad says to him, I'd like to get rid of my tools. So Jonathan flies out to the island, rents a budget truck, drives these tools back, and we have so many tools in this garage nice. that it's kind of like a parable to me right now. <laughs> like, it's this, it's like, you kind of like yeah. think, wouldn't it be great if, and some of the language Jonathan and I've been using is that there's like, we pulled it from a, a TV program, I won't even say what it was from. Maybe I'll say it later. Um, that there's this benevolent quality to reality. That there's, you know, which we could say, like, the, is the divine, you know, just some of the language we've been using in our house was this mm -hmm. line from a show, a benevolent quality to the to reality. And I've been thinking about that with this garage, that I, like, I go to get my car, and I'm like, where did all this stuff come from? And it's this beauty of, like, we couldn't have written that story so mm -hmm. well that he would, he'll be making something, and he'll think, uh I wish I had a, and then he realizes I, I do, do have, it. have it, and it's really beautiful. I it's like just it. beautiful. It's a parable for us of, of the sort of. Uh, I'm gonna borrow some tools. Yeah, you, uh, so. seriously. I have I have can. way more tools 
than is justified by the amount of projects. <laughs> well, oh, well, anyways, that's uh, I'm really grateful for that for my partner. I but so also, too. what it, I'm not going to use a single one of those tools, okay. but I like what they mean. I like cool. what they stand for. Like it. It's beautiful. So that's that's it. All this right. was fun. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Thanks, yeah, thanks for being here. Have everyone. a great week. Uh, anything happening this week people need to know about? Uh, I mean, the usual. We're kind of in our rhythms, right? Yeah, we have like our we have an early morning liturgy tomorrow at right. seven fifteen. If anyone with wants Bobby, to join us. get on there if you're interested. <laughs> when it's still dark out. Yeah, and uh, if you're interested in coming on Sunday, register yeah. ahead of time. Yes, uh, we're gauging that to see if we're going to add a second service and what yeah. that looks like. But again, wanting to do that well and do it yeah. safely and all those things. So yeah. anyway, thanks everyone. Yeah, thanks everyone. See ya. <laughs>